We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Roots podcast. This is episode 212 of the pod. Alongside Matt Rooney, I am Joe Musso. Plenty to get to uh, this fine, what is it, Wednesday? It's be Wednesday. Just, uh, you know, it, formalities, just merely formalities. I'm uh, excited when, for football season when you and I usually kind of get into, for the most part, fall like into we're in a, little bit we're of a, a groove. better groove of usually it's just yeah, a Tuesday yeah, or yeah, Wednesday yeah, every yeah, time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm excited for that. Nice. Uh, 60, 60 day or 59 now. Yesterday was 60 days until college football kickoff. Oh, so that boy. would be on us quicker than you can, uh, than you can say NCAA violation. But uh, that is something for another day. We do have uh, more pressing topics at hand. First and foremost, the fact that I am just handing out winners week after week here on the Moose and Roots podcast. The, the fact that I, I, the fact that I can do no wrong. The fact that I have gone back to back on the PGA Tour. Uh, and and not not a not a card in the mail, not a not a. You got tweet, golf balls in the mail? Not a yeah, but that was a bet. You owed me golf balls. So hey, let me tell you, came to your let right me away. tell you, the prize this week was far better than the prize. I was, I was going to no say disrespect to a dozen TP fives, which I will take any day of the week. But a Harris English forty-five to one ticket uh, that'll freshen you right up because it was. Uh, it was, it was, I don't know, it was a pre-tournament gut feeling. I'd been playing great. Uh, third place finish at the U.S. Open. Uh, strokes gained putting numbers weren't there yet, and that's usually the indicator you're looking at if you want to pick a pony. That's what, the, that's what our data guys say. Find a guy that's hitting the ball well and maybe hasn't really holed a ton of putts because they're professionals and they're going to hold a ton of putts. Um, Harrison versus that guy, and following the second longest playoff in uh, PGA Tour history at the uh, – at the where were we? We were in Cromwell, Connecticut, at the Travelers River Islands. Yeah, yeah. Um, that that's your that's your winning ticket, and, and you're welcome, Moose and Runes listeners, if you tailed the pick. You know, I just I was usually asked me how are you to start the mm-hmm. podcast, and I was no, actually, I had to, I had to just no, get I, out in front and gloat I, real quick. I, I was actually going to congratulate you in that little spiel, but needless. Okay, well, here, here, no, here, no, here, no, 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 because I congratulated me. Now you have to congratulate me. I don't know if I'm going to do that anymore. I think you. How the hell are you? I think you did enough congratulating both of us there. How the hell are you? I'm doing well, Joe. I didn't win forty five hundred dollars on the Travelers. No, 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 it wasn't forty five. Okay. I didn't. I'm didn't, sorry. It, no, I'm it, sorry. It wasn't a hundred. It wasn't a hundred dollar bet. Yeah. No, we don't, we don't, I had forty five on the brain. Uh, uh, we don't have to. We don't have to do any accounting here. But uh, just know that the ticket was forty five to one. Yeah. Well, that's, I'm, I'm proud of you. That's, that's a nice little win. Maybe you'll get yourself a driver or some more golf balls or maybe maybe bite a little bit off for your for your podcast partner, Matt. Who knows? you got endless options you can do with that money. Or maybe just put now, it away for your wedding. Who knows? Now, Matt, now, Matt, you know me because you pretty much just you pretty much just called your shot there because less than 24 hours after that final putt was hold, there was a new driver in my bag. Oh, so yeah. Were you, did you go get yourself fitted or you just, yes. The, okay, the next yeah. day went to golf galaxy with an idea of what I wanted hit the Callaway hit the tailor made hit the Titleist, hit the ping mm-hmm. hit the Cobra. I'm a tailor made guy. And it mm-hmm. wasn't even just like, I want to be a tailor made guy. Numbers told me I'm tailor made. I uh, got a brand, no. not a brand. Oh, I mean, a brand I was new say, you, sim. But okay. I followed my rule. I followed yep. my rule. It's a sim one, not a sim two. You save yourself that buck fifty there because there also is, as you mentioned, a wedding fund uh, mm-hmm. that the rest of yep. those winnings went into. So we went the sim one, peeled the wrapper off that bad boy, uh, uh, 60, 60 gram uh, Ventus shaft with uh, with a nine point five. It was a you know a nine zero. That's what the numbers told me. I needed that nine mm-hmm. degree driver tuned to nine five. We're, we're just a happy man right now. Because I also have the nine degree driver. That's yeah. I think that's I think that's what we're looking at here. Um, but um, you know that's sustainability in the game. You win a little money on golf, you put it back into the game. We, we got to keep a good thing going. You got, you're just doing your part to grow the game of golf, and and um, you just got to thank you for. So when was the last time you had gotten a new driver? Now how how, I mean, how I had many a, years? How I had overdue a, were you for it? 
I had an M2 in the bag, and that I got the year that there was no M3. Or no, there was. There was an M3 and an M4, and they came out the same year. It was two options that one year, the three and four. And I got the two the year that the three and four came out because, like I said, old tech is good tech. Um, that had to have been, let's see, they went four, five, six. There was no seven. I think after six is when they went sim. And sip so five years that would have been, this is the fifth year since so four years five years something like that that okay out of the bag that's definitely um, overdue it, no it was it was time I mean I was huh? still still gaming that bad boy uh, uh, better than most uh, as they'd say but uh, this is not the Joe Musso podcast this is the Moose and Ruins podcast that's true we do have plenty People to talk that. about but let's it's a go we're right, a golf pod though too. I mean so if we have a golf how, topic, let's let's golf, let's just let's fine. just go right there. How good has the golf been? We get John Rahm at the U.S. Open making a couple oh, bombs. Oh, back-to-back then weekends, we, just fantastic. Then we get a historic – I mean, the Travelers Championship is no throwaway tournament. It always gets some big names. Um, guys love to play it. It's got some great champions throughout the history of the tournament, um, from your Phils to your Bubbas to your DJs. Um, Harris English joins that group with a fantastic week after taking down Kramer Hickok. What a in name. A, uh, in a eight-hole playoff. Um, I mean – the thing that struck me, Matt, was, you know, putts that we would be lucky to make on the practice green, like those five to seven footers, they were just drilling mm-hmm. with millions of dollars on the line, like without fail, just absolutely pouring them in. And then Hickox got to get, I mean, English had that crazy up and down from the, from that like fried egg lie that was all time. He mm-hmm. hits that putt. Then they switched uh, places on the fourth playoff hole. Hickox in the bunker. English has got the putt for birdie, misses the putt. Hickok makes, or before he misses the putt, Hickok makes the par to put the pressure on. To, it was just an unbelievable theater at a mid-tier tournament that, like, is really telling me that these guys are peaking. Obviously, everybody wants to win every week on tour, and everyone wants to bring their best game forward, but it's getting to that point where, yeah, there's one major left. Guys are trying to make the Ryder Cup team. Guys uh-huh. are... As much as we want to sit here and make fun of it, guys are rallying for FedEx Cup points because we're getting to that point in the season when, oh, there's a $10 million check on the line. Like, it's getting to big money season, and guys are really starting to bring their best. Yeah, and it's – I think we, we, we talk about all the time how we don't have the dominant figure that we had, you know, 20 years ago when Tiger been a lot was of, running this show. But a lot of we backpedal have, winners yeah, we, over we the have, last couple of months. We have a lot more – depth i feel like throughout the tour in terms of like the mm-hmm. middle tier like it always was tiger against the field while there's not that guy up top that's going to run the show every week there's so many more guys like your harris englishes that are coming out of the woods you like kramer hickok i don't think we're going to see all the time coming and doing this but there's different names like that every week and they're playing good golf it's not like someone's not like you got guys missing putts and just nobody can win it you got got guys that are actually you know going out and competing sinking putts making up and downs there's so many good players on tour right now and the fact that we're getting to midsummer and we're kind of starting starting to see the tour peak um it's it's like you said perfect time one more major a month down the road i just every week now feels like kind of must uh, must watch tv it really is because uh, you you illuminated something really interesting there too because you think of this past week, you have Harris English, who's the number 19 player in the world, I think, after that victory. Kramer Hickok, who was 331st. Like, I, I don't know any other sport where the 331st best player in the league can go nose-to-nose with a top 25 player and uh-huh. put on an all-time show week after week. It's it, it's special what we're watching right now due to what you pointed out there and the depth in field. Um, the depth in field also creates opportunities if you do like throwing a couple shekels down on a player that you get a top 25 player in the world at 45 to 1 in Harris English. Um, you get some of those opportunities for uh, longer odds plays. So I think it's a, I think it's a really, really good time, not just for the sport of golf, but for sports betting as a whole and the intersection of those two things. Um, and I know that's a, a large part of your business uh, moving forward uh-huh. with, with your new gig. So I think uh, there's a lot to be happy about from all angles right now on the PGA Tour. Uh, bet spurts. I, I, I've been told I have to say that every time we talk about it now because I'm supposed to plug I, I mean, the brand. You bet don't spurts. have to. It's just I was told, where you I was work. Told. Why wouldn't you want to? <laughs> 
Why no, would like I say CBS Sports I, HQ as know, much as possible? Well, before you know, when we first started the podcast, I was I was doing my own thing. I wasn't sure if I was you know if I was cross mingling whatever. I didn't know what I was allowed to say or shouldn't say. Now I know. I'm just supposed to say bet spurts all the time. We're plugging the pod. I'm glad. I'm glad you guys got that uh, those contractual uh, details. Yeah, out, I'm, but, I'm, uh, I'm I'm a pretty big time here, Joe. But the the thing that you brought up here in the uh, pre-show, I mean, we're not going to sit here and talk about the Travelers for an hour and a half, as exciting as it was. Uh-huh. Um, the thing that you brought up, and it is directly related to the Travelers, and it's now, what, a month and a half, two months away, is we got 2020 Ryder Cup coming up, and it's a dead heat between a lot of guys. Uh, Harris English jumps five spots with that win. He's got, I'm not exactly sure how the point system works, but he's sitting in eighth place Mm -hmm. uh, in terms of automatic qualifiers. So two out of the last automatic qualification spot with 10,582 points. Uh, Patrick Reed's right there with 10,070. Patrick Cantlay's a few behind with 10,003. Uh, Tony Finau, he's a little drop-off at number 10 at 9-6. So just for the uninitiated, six automatic qualifiers, six captain's picks. That's new, uh, this this Ryder Cup, correct? That used to be I, top eight made it, I believe. I believe it was eight and four. four. Yeah. I believe it was eight and four. Now it's six and six. And realistically, it's going to be my, plus or minus a guy, the same kind of crew it would have been, regardless if it's eight, mm-hmm. four, six, six. Uh, but just a rundown right now of the U.S. Ryder Cup team in terms of points accrued uh, from one on. It goes number one, Dustin Johnson, number two, Bryson DeChambeau, number three, Colin Morikawa, number four, Brooks Kepka, number five, Justin Thomas, number six, Xander Shoffley. Um, beyond that, non-automatic qualifiers right now. Include Patrick Reed, Harris English, Patrick Cantlay, Tony Finau, Jordan Spieth, Daniel Berger is 12. Beyond Daniel Berger. So let's just say right now, uh, Furyk comes into it and just plays it by the – it's Furyk, right? Uh I think it's Furyk. Plays it by the book, just takes those next six guys. Reed, English, Cantlay, Finau, Spieth, Berger. Don't think you can really argue with that. But if we wanted to have that argument and talk about these guys on the outside of the top 12, Webb Simpson, Scotty Scheffler – Billy Horschel, Jason Kokrak, Phil Mickelson, Sam Burns, Max Holmer, Will Zalatoris, Gary Woodland. We get a little niche from there. Can you make the case for any of those guys like 13 through 16, whether it be Kokrak, Horschel, Scheffler, Simpson, uh, Mickelson? Is there a case to be made for Phil? Um, I, I, I just don't know. I just don't know if you're Jim Furyk and you're putting together the team of 12, the best guys mm-hmm. that you can send out to Whistling Straits to try and win the Ryder Cup. To me, I don't know that Phil Mickelson's one of those 12. I don't. There's. I mean, it's, I, mean I want to say yes. I really do because I love Phil. I love the experience in the Ryder Cup. I know he won the PGA, but just – I just I don't really think it's there with the rest of the guys right now, and I, I don't mm-hmm. know if Phil wants to be a you know assistant or anything you know have a have a role on the team without playing. I would love him in that regard, but I just I, I don't think there's uh, now there, there's still golf left to be played the rest of this year, and if he is more of the PGA winner Phil than, than the rest of the Phil we you know we've seen this season. It's a maybe. big week. Rocket but, Mortgage, it's a pretty open field. Yeah. Phil's gotta be just because of the name brand, he's gotta be one of the betting favorites. Maybe not one of the betting favorites, but can't be any longer than twenty to one. I'll look it up right now while you're Phil talking. Phil is sixty six like, to one. Sixty six to one this week? Yeah, I, I think I spent That's a, a couple on Phil I mean, there. I mean I not that I think that he's gonna win, it's just you know it's Phil Mickelson. Vegas is going to take a lot of tickets on him. So maybe that – I don't know. Is that a sucker number because Vegas knows that he's not going to do something this weekend? I'm not sure. Yeah, maybe it is. But, I, but point ahead. being not, – not to go that direction again, but point being here is Phil Mickelson – does Phil Mickelson give the United States the best chance to win the Ryder Cup? I don't think so. I would have a conversation about that 12 slot because yeah. before we say who deserves to be in, we have to essentially say – who doesn't deserve to be? Who's who's out? Um, and and of those names, you could X right now: Patrick Reed, Harris English, Patrick Cantlay, Tony Finau, Jordan Spieth, Daniel Berger. Of that group, with all due respect, because he was my pick, one of my picks, he was my long shot pick at the U.S. Open, and I really like his game, and I like how his game projects into a team format because he does have a background in team sports. Uh-huh. Daniel Berger would be the guy that I'd say thanks, but but no thanks. Um, Patrick Cantlay is amazing. He's a birdie machine. I'm not sure his temperament fits team golf. Um, 
that would be a really, really ballsy move by Furyk to not put Cantlay in because of the type of season that he's had. Mm-hmm. Um, but those would be the two names. I need Tony Fino on that team. I need Jordan Spieth on that team. I think I need Harris English on that team, and I know I need Patrick Reed on that team. Yeah, um, I mean, the way Reed, the way English is playing, you have to have him on there. Reed is just Reed's almost earned himself on a rider with what he did in Minnesota and how he's performed. He kind of he's our Ian Poulter. Yeah, we hate him. We, we, but we need him come on there. Team we need him time, on the team. We he, need our cheater on the team. Exactly. <laughs> and you touched on it with Tony and. Jordan to a lesser extent. Fino hasn't been very good this year, but like he's been pretty good in the Ryder Cup and you to just, the standards you, of winning. Though. Yeah, like you, Tony's, yeah, exactly. Tony's had some nice you, finishes. You know where the ceiling is with him too, and yet you, you have to have that on there. Same with Jordan. Jordan is the exact type of temperament, that kind of guy you want on that Ryder Cup team. He's going to be on it. Daniel Berger's probably the guy. Um, if I'm looking at that list of you know 13 through 20, whatever. I know you're not a big Webb Simpson fan, but I just I love, love but how no, consistently he plays in team golf. I, it, just in, in high emotional stakes, team whatever. I think he'd be a perfect fit for a, a team for golf sure. format. He's just I, so consistent, and I he like rarely. Finding, yeah, go ahead. No, 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 I was going to say I like finding a way to get Webb in, and I would entertain a conversation about Scotty Scheffler. He's played really well. Yes. I think he's got that young buck vibe where, like, you put him around a Justin Thomas, you put him around a Brooks, you put him around a DJ. He's the type of guy who's, like, who raises his level to those around him. And that's why we've seen him contend a bunch this season. Um, Hasn't gotten to the winner's circle, but really, really, really spectacular game. Now, I, this might be reaching a little bit far, but say it, it is Webb Simpson that gets that 12 spot. How mm-hmm. would you like to see some of these guys? What would be your, you know, ace top pairing in, in the okay. team format? Okay, that was that was going to be my next question for you. Because I know it's a little bit long, but like, how do how do you want to match these guys up together? Regardless of how days one and two go, if the schedule is still the same, it's going to come down to Sunday singles. Mm-hmm. It's going to come down to your one on one matchups. It's going yeah. to come down to Always are does. your are your twelve golfers better than their twelve golfers head to head? There's twelve points at stake. So that's, I think, how you got to construct the team. And then from there, you kind of go to your pairings. But in terms of pairings, at, at the crux of it all, you have to keep Bryson DeChambeau and Brooks Kepka on opposite sides of the room. And that, can't, that feud cannot impact this team at all. And mm-hmm. I think the way you do that is you pair – you need to insulate Bryson – and let Brooks be Brooks. So it would not. I would not mind having Brooks with a Harris English, having Brooks with a Cantlay or a Finau. You got mm-hmm. two bombers there, or a Brooks, you know, with a Burger or a Simpson. I think Brooks you can pair with just about anybody. Whereas Bryson, you kind of have to treat with kid gloves and make sure that Bryson is comfortable and make sure that Bryson's psyche is not affected. Because as much as Bryson wants to tell you, oh. The 44 on the back of the U.S. Open does it. No, it doesn't bother me. It bothers him. It's an insidious drop into his brain that he's probably overanalyzed for the last two weeks. We can't have any sort of negativity around Bryson. That includes Brooks. So I think Bryson, man, you almost have to put him with a DJ. It's like, all right, here's our top pairing. Make Bryson Mm -hmm. feel like... You're the one and two because, I mean, on the leaderboard right now, that is the one and two. But you have to say, Bryson, we got you out there on the A pairing with DJ. Go get it done, bud. Um, because I don't think DJ gives two dams. No, I don't think he cares who he's playing with. You can go out there and golf my ball, man. If I got an alternate shot, best ball, whatever we want to do, man. I'm like, we're going to go there and hit it long and score it. That, so I think that Dustin would pair really nicely with Bryson in terms of just like not being affected by any of the – scuttlebutt, for lack of a better word, that surrounds uh, the big-bodied Bryson. Didn't Tiger and Bryson play together in France? I think so. Yeah, that, that um, one didn't think, go too well. No, but and I've always been critical of Tiger in team formats. He's, I mean, amazing President's Cup player, but his mm-hmm. Ryder Cup uh, record really isn't... Um, it's not, it hasn't been isn't, great. No, and Whistling Straits probably is not the best place for a man with a reconstructed leg to oh. be, but Damn, do I hope that Tiger's on the golf cart with the earpiece in. Um, I think he'll be there. Doing, doing whatever he can. Doing whatever he can. Put, put um, him and Phil on different golf carts. Have them running around talking to people, coaching them up. I like that. Because last we saw him was 
in LA. Was it the Masters? It was at Tory. It was no. It was right before Tory. Uh, there was a video of him landing in LA. I don't know if he did some sort of event surrounding. We didn't see him on the broadcast or anything, but um, there was a picture of him still on crutches with legs, oh, okay, but yeah. was but was was putting weight on that like like he was walking just with crutches. Mm-hmm. Like he wasn't hovering the leg anymore. I, we're not doctors here, but um, again, just hoping, doctors hoping, golf pot. hoping that the cat can be, uh, can be involved some way here uh, at whistling straights for the Ryder cup, which we're going to have to call the 2020 Ryder cup. Uh, just, just like we're calling the weird, Olympics like, 2020. We're calling everything to Euro the Euros, the soccer. Right 2020, yeah. I'm used to it. It's, what about for you? Give me, give me a can't miss pairing because I think one of the oddballs in this all, because I've gone bad on him. I really have it. Uh-huh. Everybody's slow to go bad on him. Xander's currently an automatic qualifier, but if he drops out of that top six, I'd entertain a conversation about him being out too, because he just doesn't, he does not have the mental game required to go out and close a golf tournament on a Sunday right now. I'm not saying that's, I'm not saying that's not a, I'm not saying that's a, for his career, a damning note because, you know, people change, skill sets change, Uh abilities, mental, physical change. John Rahm had a whole lot of shaky in him on Sundays for the last half decade. You know, his, he let his, his, uh, you know, he let that, that fire under his collar get the best of him. That's not Xander Shoffley's problem, but he does have a Sunday problem. He is a great Thursday through Saturday golfer, and come Sunday, do we really want to take the chance of sacrificing a full point in singles because this kid just doesn't have the six inches between his ears figured out when it's really all on the line? Um, I that, would that's, agree with That's you. another player that if he is an automatic qualifier, I'd be interested to see where you would situate him. I would agree with you if this was a road game. I think okay. the fact that this is a home game and that there it's not as much you against I, th- I think part of that was with him is yeah. it's, it's him against the field. This is a team game. This is going to have fans back in his corner. Not that, you know, golf fans are great and they pretty much root for everybody on the course, but in, in this It's whistling in this sense, it's gonna be a Chicago. This is crowd. Whistling Those are great State. Fans. Yeah, you are gonna have you're gonna have some Southsiders out there getting real loud. You're gonna ha- you're gonna have kind of that feeling that people are behind you and I just I think he's too good of a player to leave off at this point I, I know I, I truly understand what yeah. you're saying and I know he has failed to close and, and sometimes even not just failed to close but kind of blown up a little bit down stretches but yeah the talent too much is there especially with this being a home game and I, I think he's going to be a guy on future teams that's going to be around and I think you got to start getting him experience get him on that team he's, he's too good not to keep to to keep off for me. Um, I just go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. no go I was going to say in terms of I can't miss pairing. I'm going Justin and Jordan. Yeah. I mean, that's they, they, that's, yeah, that's, they, those guys feed off each other. They're, they're really good friends. They love playing each other. Maybe put Taylor D on one of their bags. Nice. Um, I, I love that. <laughs> um, let's, let's get those guys out there. Let's get them emotional. Let's get them, let get them having fun. Put Patrick Reed with whoever. Honestly, it would be funny if Patrick Reed and Bryson played together because they might actually kill each other. They'd either kill each other or be the best pairing in Ryder Cup See, history. I think There'd that's be no like in between. The, I think that's yeah. I think that's the latter. I think it's the Spider-Man meme because like it's like oh they hate me. Oh they hate me too. Like let's be. Let's pals. try that. Let's try exactly. that. Let's call Jim. Maybe. Let's get Jim on the pod. We'll pitch that. Get Furyk on the pod. Um, I, before we move on here, Matt, I do just want to go down the roster because oftentimes mm-hmm. the Ryder Cup is these are the most these are the top golfers in the world and on paper and on the official golf rankings our team is far superior to Europe but it does not always play out that never way never matters because there are different dynamics and the dynamic in the room is super important so just going down the list assess like the type of person that you think it is Dustin Johnson soft spoken amazing talent mm-hmm. Bryson DeChambeau Highly hated, never duplicated is the way I would say it. Incredibly um, talented. Have to throw incredibly that in talented. You have to throw that in there. But within the set, within the confines of a team game, I don't know. Colin Morikawa, supremely talented, can work with anybody, but still not your leader. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brooks Kepka, a little bit of a big me over little team guy, supremely talented, loves a good troll job. I think he can put I think he can put things aside and just be civil to go out there and golf his ball. But the person that I think wins or loses this event for the United States JT. is is Justin Thomas. Yep. 
he is, he needs to be the heartbeat. He needs to be the leader. I know he's a young man, but he needs to be the voice in that room when that voice needs to be heard because it's not Dustin. Bryson might want to be that, but it's not Bryson. Morikawa is not that. Brooks, I don't think, wants to take on that role. Xander's obviously not that. Nobody likes Patrick Reed. Harris English is just happy to be here. Patrick Cantlay is still learning how to talk. Tony Finau is Justin way too and Jordan nice. Again. Those, those Justin, and your, your, Justin and Jordan have to be the vocal leaders in that room. And I don't think Jordan would be comfortable being that guy if he was just a captain's pick who's still trying to figure it out. He's played really good golf this year. I think he should be comfortable in that role again. It needs to be Justin and Jordan, Captain America, whether they're in the same pairing or they're just the vocal leaders in that room. Those are the guys that unlock victory for this team in, in a multitude of ways, not just on the course. I couldn't agree. I mean, if you get... If you get them at the peak of their capabilities, the United States should win and win probably running away. Um, they're probably the, guy, the the two guys I send off first as well. I, I want the you know I, I want those two Justin Thomas, Jordan Spieth being the two first guys to tee off at Whistling Straits on number one with the crowd at their wildest, all that stuff. Those are the two mm-hmm. guys that I they don't have to play together all weekend, but those are the two I want together on the first eighteen going off, you know, starting the whole thing off and setting the tone. They'd be my tone setters. Is there any world that you could see not, not, now this has to happen far before the tournament begins. This mm-hmm. needs to happen like next week where Furyk sits down and makes a mitzvah between Brooks and Bryson over a basket of cheese curds somewhere oh. in an undisclosed location in Wisconsin and just says, boys, Think of it this way. If you two step to the first tee, throw a fist bump at each other, and go dominate, imagine the mental blow that is to the European side. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, imagine, imagine, that's like, like one of these stupid, I'm not stupid because people love them and I, I tend to enjoy them too. It's one of these Avengers movies where like Superman and Batman or like someone that has a past, like where Loki comes over the good side. It's like a, it's a superhero moment Yeah, when those two guys link up and say, all right, let's put it aside and let's win one for the red, white, and blue. That would be a moment. I, uh, I, don't, I don't think it happens, though. I don't think it happens, but I think it's worth trying to have the conversation if you're Jim Furyk because that's – if you look at Team USA right now, like that's the one thing that people keep kind of looking at, poking at, saying, you know, is this going to work because everything else seems kind of – for the most part, pretty foolproof. Everybody's pretty solid. It's whether or not their chemistry is going to be on or off because of that. And if they can even, even if it's not actually there, if they could put on a front that it is there and just go play good golf, I, I don't doubt that Brooks can go play good golf no, no matter who's next to him. It would be a matter of whether or not Bryson can get that out of his head. Uh, I think you're absolutely right. I think that would be a devastating kind of blow right off the top to what Europe thinks might be their mental advantage. It would just be a crazy storyline and who doesn't love a basket of cheese curds? I mean, I think that's, I think that right there, uh, that's, that's the, I know what I'm having for dinner tonight. That's at the uh, center of, of making amends between those two. Uh, We are a golf pod and we do assign a plenty of time to say, look at us 30 minutes off the top of the pod with golf each of the last two weeks. I love it. Uh, let's pull up some odds. I know it's the Rocket Mortgage, but like Joe wants to stay hot. Joe, you, you have to stay hot. I, love I can't it. let a streak. Uh, I can't let a streak die at uh, at two here. So um, let's let's do right by the people. Let's take a look at what do we do some here. We do odds. favorites, long uh, shot. How, how do how do we do this again? Uh, I think maybe just uh, maybe just make a pick. We don't need to. Do, we do favorites and long shot when there's. Um, when there's major. a major and we we'll want to put some golf balls on the line. I don't think uh, Rocket Mortgage deserves that treatment here. But taking a look at the numbers, courtesy of our friends at William Hill. I uh, thought I had the article. Don't have the article. If you have it in front of you, I have, you, you take – You want me to pull up the – I have the odds actually from yeah, CBS Golf here. I'm, I'm looking right at your guys' those are William, Those are William Hill's numbers. There you go. Bryson is your favorite at 15-2. to two. Hideki is fourteen to one. Reed fourteen to one. Webb Simpson eighteen to one. Will Zalatoris twenty two to one. Kokrak twenty five to one. Uh, Neiman twenty eight. Day twenty eight. Matthew Wolf at thirty three to one is the guy that caught my eye. I think that's some pretty good value. I, I know he kind of had his his bout with with some mental health issues, but he played well at the U.S. Open and he played really really well here last year. He had that great duel with Bryson that that Bryson ended up pulling away towards the end. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but I remember watching this one last year. This is one of the first ones without fans, and it was weird because Wolf was playing ahead of Bryson, and he couldn't really tell what was going on behind him because there were no fans telling him. Um, but I, 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 I like the way he played here last year. I, I, I know he hasn't been quite the guy we hoped he would last year, but it seemed or this year, but it seems like he's kind of getting past those issues. He's been open about them, and then I, I, I'm rooting for the guy. I like the odds, thirty-three to one. Um, I think I might sprinkle a little bit on, on Matthew Wolf there. I like the Wolf. Maybe he, top 10. He, he he does still I, – I like that because he does still scare me away a little bit, uh, the volatility just in – How about this? I'll give, you, I'll give you a Matthew Wolf top 10. I'll take Will Zalatoris at 22 to 1. That's, okay. That's my, it, that's my winner. It might be weird. It might be weird to say because, I mean, the guy's on the PGA Tour, but the – repeatability of that swing seems like if, if anything is wrong, mental, physical mm-hmm. in his kinetic chain, it, it just feels like it can go sideways quick. Um, just from a pure optic standpoint, it seems like a hard golf swing to repeat. Mm-hmm. And if you're not feeling good about any part of your game, there's going to be a little looseness in there. That's going to produce some, uh, some irregular, um, irregular results. Let's call it uh, for me. I'm going to give you two picks here because one of them is going to be the favorite. I, I really do think that Bryson is going to have a ton of good vibes here. He's the defending champion. He absolutely dismantled this golf course a year ago. This was the moment when he run the, won the Rocket Mortgage where we were like, oh, uh-huh. oh, he's, he might, he might, he, he might be on the verge of breaking the game. Yeah. When everyone was going crazy and then he wins the U.S. Open and it's like, oh. But this was where it really – where Bryson Ball – uh, came into its own. And I think Bryson needs some good vibes right now. Um, and I think he's going to find them here at the Rocket Mortgage. So my pick is Bryson at the 15 to 2, so 7.5 to 1. But if you want some longer odds, Gary Woodland playing really good golf, 40 to 1, right in that sweet spot that we're looking for. Uh, he might be my Harris English type flyer that I take this week because, I mean, if we want to go back to the conversation about the, U, uh, excuse me, about the Ryder Cup. Uh, Gary Woodland is a guy that I wouldn't mind having on Team USA. Now, he's ranking 21st overall in points with just 5,000 points. But a win could put you right into that teen range where Jim Furyk's got to think about Gary Woodland and how he projects onto a Ryder Cup team. So I think that the current situation, the way Gary Woodland's playing golf right now, I think it's a nice intersection at 40-1 to to take a flyer on him. I like it. I like it a lot. Uh, that is golf talk for this week's pod. Uh, plenty more to come, obviously, with some exciting events, tournaments, team, solo, whatever it may be. This is a golf pod, so we will have you covered on the Moose and Runes podcast. But we do have some breaking news here uh, coming in during the pod. Usually breaking news happens not 30 seconds after. 17 seconds after yeah. we finish recording. Oh, good, uh, good Blackhawks reference there. But uh, Jonathan Tays and the Chicago Blackhawks offering up some news on his uh, availability on his status on his health uh, we're going to give you a little bit of sound here from the captain himself uh, so we can react on the back end but here's Jonathan Tate. I mean, it feels great it's been a long time honestly I haven't taken this much time off here it's, uh, probably ever since I was a kid at least so it's definitely nice to be back in Chicago see some of the guys again just slowly Slowly but surely, just kind of settle into uh, to the life and to um, to the routine again. So it's a, it's a good feeling right now. I just think there's a lot of things that just kind of piled up where my body just fell apart. See some of the guys again, just slowly, slowly but surely, just kind of settle into uh, to the life and to um, to the routine again. So it's a, it's a good feeling right now. I just think there's a lot of things that just kind of piled up where my body just fell apart. So what they're calling it was uh, chronic immune response syndrome where I just couldn't quite uh, recover and my immune system was reacting to everything that I did, any kind of stress, anything that I would do throughout the day, just there was always kind of that stress response. So it took some time and that was the frustrating part was not really knowing when or how we were going to get over the hump. but. Uh, Thankfully, I got a great support team of people that uh, helped me through it and learned a lot about uh, just the stress I put on my body over the years. And I appreciate all the support. And a lot of people were worried and uh, definitely felt bad um, to a certain degree that uh, people were that worried that they thought it was really serious. But in the back of my mind, you know, I'd, I'd get through it. It was just a matter of time. I wasn't too vocal about the things that I went through this year. and. Um, definitely want to thank the fans. I mean, my teammates, the, the organization, um, Rocky, Stan, Jeremy, um, everybody 
and the fans especially, I think, talked about the things that you appreciate and, and things that you maybe take for granted. But I think number one thing is I've had so many people um, across the hockey world and, and fans and people that uh, have shown their support. And, and I think that's the biggest thing is you realize there's more life than hockey. Um, but I'm excited to, to get back to the United Center and, and play and um, just go out there and, and, uh, and have fun. And I think uh, my best is going to come through and I'm excited to get back in front of the fans. All right, so there it is. Uh, some positive news surrounding Taser, his health. Uh, he illuminated a little bit there. I think uh, what he referred to it as was chronic, uh, chronic immune, immune res- uh, chronic immune response syndrome, yes. which is uh, w- what I'm reading right now. A quick little Google search tells me progressive multi-system, multi-symptom illness characterized by exposure to biotoxins. So really your body essentially under attack, trying to fight everything that you throw at it, uh, uh-huh. good, bad, and otherwise. But to hear Taser back in good spirits, to hear him sounding like himself, to just hear him uh, yeah. is a welcome sight. And it sounded like we're going to have the captain back in uh, back in the sweater uh, next season. Yeah. Um, we, if you go on, go to his Twitter and actually watch the video, obviously we just have the, uh, the plug, sound yes. here. He's, he's back at... Uh, fifth third arena he's on the ice he's skating around he seems to be in in a good space mentally and physically ready to get back and uh most importantly he just he seems healthy he seems like joe was saying himself again um and was expressing his excitement to get back so kind of it took some time to get away from things that he needed to clear his headspace mentally and obviously get help get better physically but also just needing that time to just heal was important to him. Um, so it's good to see him back. It's, it's, it's obviously good to see him back. We figured he might be, um, but it, it's nice to kind of have that confirmed, have him on video, have him on audio, just hear him, see him, all that. And, uh, he mentioned the fans being a little bit, you know, being happy that how worried, for, not happy, but um, appreciative of how worried they were for him and, and all that. And it's, it's nice to, not that it's anybody's business, but to have everybody see him be okay. I think that eases a lot of fans' minds. The thing about it is we're talking about a super athlete. Mm-hmm. Now, we might not see that athleticism in the way we see it in other sports and football and basketball. Um, but what Jonathan Taze is, is a super athlete and cardiovascular um, endurance. The things that really are the hallmark of amazing hockey players, not just his hands, not just his leadership, but just his body, his vehicle, to have that come into question and just to not feel like yourself had to have been maddening. And, and I'm sure it was, and I'm glad that he took the time to get all of those things in order and he's feeling like himself again and is feeling healthy and can come back and be the player and the person that he's been for the Chicago Blackhawks and for the city of Chicago. It makes me so excited. It makes me so happy for him because I, I don't know what the day is. I don't know who they'll be playing but I have to be home for game one next season at the UC. It's going to be Jonathan Tay's return to the ice. That's going to be an ovation in itself. And it's going to be the first national anthem in that building since all this COVID craziness. Um, I, we, we never got, I don't believe we got a full crowd. No, it was just point. very, very limited. So like the last game one, game one next year, uh, it's not going to be a banner raising ceremony, but I think it's going to feel like it. I think it's going to feel a lot like a, a really, a really special moment in the history of the Blackhawks. It's going to be something to behold. It's, so it's Matt, gonna... uh, save me a ticket. I guess is what I'm saying. Uh, I'll work on that one for you. <laughs> uh, what should we go to now? Um, NBA. We got some. Is there? Yeah, hoops let's tonight? talk Are hoops. They taking off night let's or no? hoops. No, we got hoops tonight. We got okay. the uh, Clippers. Suns. We got Clippers. Suns. Game five coming our way. Uh, excuse me. Game six. Yeah, game six coming our way. 3-2 in favor of the Suns. Uh, Suns with an opportunity again to close it out. But, I mean, you let this one go, and we're talking about game seven in Phoenix, stress, high level, uh, Kawhi out indefinitely. So, again, Phoenix is going to have the edge here on the betting line, and they should have an edge, I mean, physically over the Clippers. They just got to go out there and um, execute because the Clippers do have some depth. They do have length. Uh, I really think that uh, Paul George has rewritten the narrative on his career. And again, we talked about it with um, Xander Shoffley, but to draw a parallel here, that's who Xander is now. Doesn't have to be who he is Uh always. Paul George is a terrible playoff player. Doesn't mean that's who he is right now. 
that's who he was. And he's kind of changing the script on it. He's gone 20 plus points in every game this postseason. Uh, he went 30, I believe 33 or 35 or something like that in, uh, in what was a back against the wall scenario in game five. He's just done everything you can ask uh, of a player, especially in the absence of the Batman. He had to become Batman here. Um, and, and he's done that quite effectively, but that's not the storyline. The storyline is Kawhi out. The storyline is Giannis who knows how bad that knee injury was a night ago. We're going to learn uh-huh. more. And uh, by the time you're listening to this, we'll probably know more about that injury. Uh, it, it's about Chris Paul being in health and safety protocols and having an injured shoulder. It's about James Harden being down. It's about Kyrie Irving being down. It's about Anthony Davis limiting the Lakers because he was unavailable. It's about Donovan Mitchell being down. It's about Mike Conley being down. It's about uh, who am I missing here? It's about Jamal Murray being down. It's about all of these injuries stacking up on top of one another. It's been a supremely entertaining product despite all these injuries, but man, I said it last night on air, and I'll say it again here. Last man standing is a literal saying. Yeah. That's, that, it's taking on the literal meaning this year where the healthiest team will likely lift the Larry O'Brien trophy. Now, I, wanna, it, it's, I don't want this to sound – I don't want this to, to be sound the wrong way or taken the wrong way because anytime you win an NBA championship, it's, it's huge, it's important, it's awesome, it's, it's an amazing accomplishment. Like you said, if, you're, if your team stays healthy and you're able to do that, and maybe we're seeing the ultimate kind of team basketball with all these stars gone. But like, say the Atlanta Hawks do win an NBA championship this year. Is, is there anything going forward to you? Not that it, it, asterisk isn't the right word because they stayed healthy and they won and all that kind of stuff, but is it, is it like watered down to you or mean anything less to you going forward because the road was so much easier to that? Not that, not, again, not that it's ever easy, but easier than most years to go ahead and do that, say Giannis. No, because the, no, because they had to navigate uh, Trey Young being out right now with a uh-huh. foot injury. They, you know, they're, they're, they're playing the same game on the same court with the same ball. Um, for them to win that war of attrition has just as much value in it. And if it is the Hawks, that's Trey Young's first championship. That's his I'm here moment. I mean, yeah. I'd argue that he's already had his I'm here moment, bowing in the center of the garden, uh, bringing his team back against a, Phil- a tough Philly squad, and now rallying here. We'll, we'll see if he can you know, get back in the mix with that bone bruise on his foot. That was obviously one of the injuries that I missed there when uh, rattling off that litany. It was right under our nose. But I don't think it's devalued um, – I don't. I, history will remember it differently because it's not. It doesn't fall in line with this whole dynasty theory that's yeah. going on in the NBA. That if you win one, you're going to win three, or that if you win one, you're going to win two. Like, did we devalue? Will we forever? We have a little hindsight on our side looking at Kawhi's championship with Toronto. Is that devalued? No, because K because KD was out. Because uh-huh. Clay was out for the second half of that game six. Uh, Steph was ailing. That wasn't that wasn't a full force. It wasn't a full force Golden State team. Do, do we devalue what Kawhi was able to accomplish with Toronto? I don't. I think that I think that history will remember that as when Kawhi went into Oracle and turned the lights out. Um, I think that history will remember that as a Kawhi moment and not a oh those guys weren't their moment. I think history will remember this year as a Devin Booker moment, as a Chris Paul moment, as a Trey Young moment, as a Paul George moment. Um, whoever's able to get it done, it's going to be that guy's moment uh, as a. I mean, God willing, Giannis moment. He is a freak, but I don't know how freakish you are to go through what he went through last night and have no structural damage on a knee. Uh-huh. Um, again, I don't want to date this podcast, but that's what we know right now. While we're recording it is that the team's calling it a hyperextension. Uh, to me, it looked like a PCL, maybe an ACL, uh, a bone bruise at least with how deep that hyperextension went. Yeah. Um, but that's off topic here. The topic is whoever wins this turn, whoever wins this championship, and wins this tournament and seizes this moment, that's their moment. I'm not devaluing it. I, I, I would agree with you. It's just something I, I've kind of popped into my head a little bit. Not that I, that people kept talking about the bubble last year and whether or not how, how much of an accurate description it was and all, all of that kind of stuff. And I don't think it does. I think it's just people are so used to the dynasty. Like you were saying, having a, a Cavaliers when LeBron was there or having a Warriors, like a, a beast to slay. The fact that there's not that there this year it just was a, a thought I that mean, popped into my head. But I'm kind of LeBron's waiting. LeBron's Cavs, LeBron's Heat, the Warriors. LeBron. Uh, the, no, but go even further back. The Lakers, the uh-huh. Bulls, the Celtics. This is this is the NBA, and there's always that two-year stretch between dynasties where you're going to get the you're going to get the, the random finals. 
the yeah, random, the random, random you're going to get that you're going to get that Dallas Mavericks winner. You're going to mm-hmm. get that uh, that Spurs winner. You're going to get that Rockets winner because MJ wanted to play baseball. Like there's going to be those moments in NBA history where teams can go and grab one. And this is the opportunity because of injury for a team to go and grab one. That does not diminish uh, that addition to any one of these players or franchises' legacies in my eyes. So who do you think does go and grab that? If you had to pick right now, if you had had to hop on a team, you'd be hopping on the Suns? Suns. I think it's really important that they win tonight, but they're the best team remaining. Um, DeAndre, I think DeAndre Ayton is the story untold. And and not that he's uh, been ignored, but Devin Booker's been so great. This is obviously the culmination of a ton of hard work in Chris Paul's career. So I think DeAndre Ayton's taking sort of a third fiddle to those two storylines. You might even say campaigns emergence. People have become Uh intoxicated with, and that's almost overshadowed Ayton. But Ayton has really been special. Um, Rim to rim, defensively, offensively. He's been everything you could ask out of your big man. And I think he always had that cloud over him. He's like, oh, that was the first overall pick. They passed on Trey. They passed on Luca. Uh-huh. They took Aiton because they needed a big. Like, come on. Well, here we are with the big man showing up and showing out in the playoffs. So I think it's a little bit of vindication, not just for him, but for that front office and the leadership in Phoenix. So I think that total sum of the parts – and Aiton being a big part of it, uh-huh. the Suns are your team to beat right now. Yeah, I'm, I'm with I, you there. I would have, I would have, I've come around, I've, I've come around on Milwaukee, and I've, I've kind of come around on the Clippers a little bit too. But not seeing what happened to, not seeing what happened to Giannis last night, I might have told you the Milwaukee Bucks because of how they were rounding into form. But yeah, with, without Giannis, that's that's it. That's and end you, scene. Even if, even if they get, make it through this round. Even Without if you get Giannis, Giannis back, even if you get Giannis back at some point in the next week and you make it through this, it's hard to imagine he's coming back at full strength. And and for a guy that relies on being so explosive because he's not really a shooter, he kind of has to use both of those knees quite a bit. Um, it's hard to imagine you're going to get him at his full strength. But I, I'm glad you talked about Aiton because I think he's kind of the one guy that well, he, he's getting talked about, but not quite as much as he should. And I, I think he's kind of the key to their winning this series tonight. I, I, he had, I think, just nine shots, uh, I want to say, in, in game five. And I think he's a guy that if you figure out a way to get him involved more in the offense, especially with the rest of the team not shooting quite as well, um, I, I think that's a way to open things up on the outside. You get DeAndre Ayton involved a lot more early, get him a couple easy buckets, make them focus a little bit more outside. That's going to just free things up on the – or sorry, inside. That'll free, uh, free things up on the outside. I'm looking forward to tonight, though. Th- this has been a really fun series to watch and kind of been unexpected at most turns. Yeah, I've been supremely entertained by these playoffs uh, despite the stars uh, going down. But it just – I mean, it just speaks to the depth in the league and talent. Um Excuse oh, bless me. You. Oh, great radio there. I don't know if you want to edit that out, but nah, we're that. fine. It we've, we've kept to, in here. It speaks to the depth and my allergies uh, uh, this this postseason in the NBA. Uh, we do have another postseason to talk about, Matt. Uh, Stanley Cup final, singular. Yep. Stanley Cup final. Thank you. Thank you. Put uh, some respect un- on the game. Underway with Tampa taking Game One over Les Habitants. Uh, the Canadians looking like. You know, we don't want to write them out because they're the gritty team that kind of scratched and clawed their way there. But what can they do? Yeah, now it's just here. Like, does this look okay? Let me say it like this: Do they win one game? I do think they win one game uh, because I think Carey Price is playing so, so, so good, and he as good as the Lightning are, and as good as Andre Vasilevsky is, he's the best goalie in the world, or Price is the best goalie in the world right now. I do think the Canadians find a way to eke out one. Maybe it's at home. Maybe it's they play really well defensively, and then and, and Carey Price stands on his head. They get a power play goal or two. Um, but it just kind of seems like Tampa is we, – we thought this is what Vegas was going to be. It probably would have been this way had Colorado been the team to advance, not Vegas, because I think they had a little bit higher of a ceiling. Um Tampa's just so, so good. I, I just I don't see how they don't win this series in like five games. And I think I've said that at, at the last couple turns with Montreal, but it, it just kind of seems like this is where their, their luck, not not even call it luck, but just you can only ride the, your hot goaltender so yeah. far against so good of a team when you are as limited as the Canadians are. And offensively, I mean, you're talking about 
one of the more special franchises in recent memory here uh, with what Tampa Bay has been able to put together shift after shift, line after line. They're just dangerous top to bottom, Matt. Uh, we did have uh, the awards, the NHL awards come out. Did you, did you have any, did you take any issue with that list? Um, were you surprised Flurry uh, gets the goalie nod? I, I just think that was kind of an unceremonious end to his season, but it obviously didn't cost him. Uh, was it the Vesna? Yeah, I think that was a little bit odd, but like it's not. It, it the playoffs don't really come into uh, like they don't take that into effect or into uh, into consideration. And the way he mm-hmm. kind of played throughout the year, he was really really good. Um, he kind of I don't he didn't carry Vegas because very, Vegas is a very good team, but he kind of came out of nowhere. He was a very good story. He kind of lost his job and, and was really really good throughout the year. Um, surprised me maybe a little bit because I just think. Uh, my vote would have and always kind of go to Andre Vasilevsky at this point uh, with how good of a team player he is on how good of a team. But Mark Andre Fleury is absolutely worthy of it. And I I was fine with that one. I didn't really have any um, disagreements with the awards. Connor McDavid just, again, it was another chance for me to see his stats and wow, what he did this year in a 50, whatever game season was really impressive. Connor McDavid, your Hart Memorial Trophy winner as the MVP, uh, buried on a bad team, much like uh, some of the greats in other sports right now, uh, CC Mike Trout and mm-hmm. Shohei Otani, different conversation, different day. Uh, Norris Trophy goes to Adam Fox of the Rangers. The Vesna obviously goes to Flurry, as we mentioned, and the Calder uh, for the Rookie of the Year goes to Kirill Kaprizov. So uh, those are your those are your four main awards uh, out of the NHL, Matt. You got anything else? You need a Matt hockey minute to button no, up uh, Stanley Cup talk. No, I think All we're right. good. Game three, game two tonight. Go watch uh, it. We, let's talk a little north side, south side. Uh, let's pose these as buy or sells before we say goodbye because um, Sox pull out a win over the Twins, seven six. Another, I mean, less than stellar start for Giolito a night ago. Uh, the Cubbies, meanwhile, I believe have lost five straight. Uh, so I'll put it this way, Matt. I'll ask a Sox question to you. Uh-huh. Buy or sell uh, that the White Sox, as currently constructed, can win a World Series? Uh, and I just kind of want to take you down the road of, like, what do they need to address here at the deadline? Does as currently constructed count with Robert and Eloy back? Yeah. I mean, okay. we don't know well, what we don't know what, what to, if they're going to come back and hit 180 like the rest of the league. But, yeah. no, those guys are on the roster. Those guys will be available. Can they? Yes. Um, will they or should they be a favorite? Probably not with how the bullpen's pitched. I think we've seen that as good as the starters are um, and have. Yeah, but like, but like who else? Like looking at the league, the Giants aren't going to hang around. I would the, Dod- I mean, I, the Dodgers okay. are going to be right there. I'm the not I, again. Side. I'm not saying Tampa. They, Tampa was the AL standard. They're nothing. With, not they're not nothing, but they're not what they were supposed to be without Glass. Now San Diego's going to be tough. Um, I just think that the Sox are really, oh, really I, good. I think they're, I think they're really, really good. I, I think they should be one, uh, you know, one of the top three or four or five odds teams. But I think with with how the bullpen is pitching right now, as so bullpen is what needs to be addressed. Yes, I, I going into maybe this week or last week, I would have told you once Madrigal was out, we need to get um, we need to go get a second baseman, and obviously there have been talks for that. At this point, with with how you know with, with the news with Eloy and Robert coming back, and then maybe you can have a band aid of Larry at second base for a little while. Like I, I need to go address that bullpen. And Liam Hendricks has been very very good. Last night he lost his command a little bit, but still got the save. Um, Aaron Bummer has been better, but like he still hasn't been the dominant Aaron Bummer that we saw a year or two ago. Michael Kopech's going to come back and be healthy and be really good. But other than that, like I don't think Ryan Burr is going to be this good. I, I don't think. I don't. I can't really trust Evan Marshall at this point. He hasn't given me a reason to trust them. Cody Hoyer mm-hmm. hasn't been himself. Like, you need to go get a bullpen. You need to go. That's that's the biggest glaring need for me right now. Consistency getting from Kopech to Hendricks because as as we've seen, Kopech is usually going to be your first guy out of the pen. You need to find one guy that can kind of be that bridge on nights that Bummer might not have it, or you know. A, a, you want to go with someone else or he can't go, you you really need to find some more bullpen depth because that, that, that back end of the bullpen, I'm sorry, the front end of the bullpen, I guess I should say, has not really held up as much as we'd hoped this year. Yeah, I think that uh, it's a sound analysis. Uh, I, I do think that there is talent in that bullpen. Can you always bolster it? Yeah. Um, does it make it hard when you got to 
ninety million dollar closer. I, I mean, money is a figment of the imagination in, in big league baseball. So, I mean, go out and do what you need to do because this team is ready right now. Would be my approach. Yeah, and it um, sounds like that's what they're doing. Uh, yeah, they've they've been exploring Eduardo Escobar um, from Arizona. There's a report that Jerry kind of has given them the green light to go do what they have to do at the deadline. Which, again, sometimes that's just leaked for goodwill. But I don't I don't think that was the case this time because you know talking about trades. Um, uh, I have no doubt that they will go out and do something of decent substance within the next month. Uh, on the other side of things, on the north side, buy or sell is literally question. It's their question. That, 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 that's it. Are they buyers? Are they sellers? Five-game losing streak has the front office feeling the latter. Uh, what are you feeling? Uh, I think that – you're correct there. That front office is correct there. I, they know they had a really nice run throughout May, but I, I don't think they're as bad as we saw that offense be in April. But I also don't think they're the team that we saw throughout May, and I, th- I think we're kind of seeing them come back down to earth a little bit. The pitching's just—it's not there. It's not going to be there. The offense, when you have Chris Bryant was hitting at an MVP level and kind of carried the team for a while. I don't want to say he's regressed because he is that good of a player, but like he's just, he's not, when he's not being the NL MVP, the team isn't winning as consistently as they are. I mean, Rizzo's yeah. having, Rizzo and Baez have been fine. I know they're in the all star voting, but that's because they're Rizzo and Baez and they're, they're on the Cubs. Like, the the depth on the offense isn't quite there. The pitching isn't all that good. The bullpen's been a really, really good bright spot, but that has to hold exactly where it is if they're going to have any chance to compete for a playoff spot. Yeah, it's uh, and with all those guys been, coming up, you you can't you cannot go into the offseason empty-handed. With the way they were playing through May, it was almost like we were waiting for this floor to come out from underneath them, and uh, it kind of has all at once here. But I'm not writing them off. They're what five games back of the Brewers, following this five-game losing streak. The Brewers haven't really impressed me a whole lot. So can they make a nice run here through the summer? I think so. But you know, your guys got to come out and and overperform expectation like they did through the month of May, at least from a pitching staff standpoint. Yeah, like I, I know when we get to the playoffs, it's always and, and it's true. Like you know, it's it's anybody can get hot for a series for a month, whatever. But that division is winnable because of who's in it and because of the teams not really playing well. But just because you go out and win that NL Central, I, I don't think that means you're necessarily guaranteed to get by anybody outside of the NL Central. I, I think yeah. the, I don't think they're getting by the Mets pitching. The NL West looks really good right now. It, it, I, the Giants are leading the division. I think they're the third best team in it. Um, yeah. I just I don't. I don't know. Is it worth it to hold on to those guys and not sell so you can hope to get a wild card bid or, or win an NL Central? I, I don't think so because I don't think you're winning a World Series. Uh, how about that Kyle Schwarber, huh? Yeah, you know, maybe that I'm sorry, one that year. Was, that was flagrant. That was flagrant. Maybe that, that one year, $8 million that went to Jock Peterson should have went to Kyle Schwarber. Man. Um, you know, being out here on the East Coast and kind of Yankee Mets land, uh, you know who's just as pissed as Cubs fans about Kyle Schwarber? Yankees fans, yep. because they thought the second that they were not, that he wasn't going to be a Cub, like, oh, perfect. We need a lefty bat, a power bat. He can hit leadoff. He can DH. He does everything that we need. And Cashman didn't want to do didn't want anything to do with him. So uh, a, a close one A to the one of the Cubs feeling stupid about Kyle Schwarber are the New York Yankees. Yeah, I don't. I that I just that made so much sense. I don't know why they didn't just go out and get him. He was literally like a perfect, 87 home runs in the last four days. People have been saying he's a, like, he's a perfect fit for the Yankees. Like since he was on the Cubs, like since he came up, the just, pinstripes, they're slimming. <laughs> the pinstripes do slim a little bit. I've learned that. <laughs> we like a vertical, we like a vertical line. Very slimming. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt, you got anything else for the people? I think that's, uh, no, I think we, we just got even gotten a fashion, a fashion. Yeah, uh, we did there. We did. Yeah. We haven't talked enough fashion, uh, here on the Moose and Rinse podcast. You got anything, you got any tips or something? It's wedding season. How about that? Mm, it's wedding you're putting season. me on Come the up. spot I here. Know, it's you, wedding you, you season. Do your best work on this let me spot. let me just get let me just give you an overarching. Let me just give you an overarching. Give me some tips. Give me some tips for the no, 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 no tips. No. Okay, okay. Overarching things at a wedding. You don't want to upstage, but you can never be overdressed. You can never be overdressed at a wedding. That's Put true. on a tuxedo. Yeah. I don't own one. Do you own a tux? I own. 700 i own a thousand tuxedos my aunt and uncle here's a oh uh, that's cha- correct sh- shameless plug gentlemen's quarters uh, gen- gentlemen's quarter formal wear 
on 83 in Elmhurst. Uh, they've been doing it. My cousin's third generation now, uh, taking over the business. Uh, nobody does it better in, in the western suburbs. If you're looking for a tuxedo for your next event, if you're looking for a tuxedo for your next uh, party, for your next wedding, whatever it may be, they do suits as well. But fantastic selection over at GQ on 83. Go see my cousin Jordan Lomnicki. Tell him Joe Musso sent you. He'll set you up beautiful. Uh, you're going to look better than you've ever looked before. Oddly enough, I was I was getting a haircut yesterday from stylist of the pod, Debbie Musso. And we, 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 mm-hmm. th- this came up. This conversation came up with the uh, the tuxedo rental place. Matt, Matt you, ever need a, you never need a tux. You make one call. We got you covered. I like that. That's, that's good to hear. Uh, overdress this summer, folks. Look good. You never know when a pandemic's going to be around the corner, you know? Let's That's go out true. there, let's party, let's look good, let's have fun, let's win some championships. What and there's Joe's Fashion Minute. Be a Bats Hockey Minute, Joe's Fashion Minute. And I think that is going to do it for the Moose and Runes Podcast, episode 212 of the pod. Alongside Matt Rooney, I am Joe Musso. Thank you, as always, for tuning into the pod. And as always, hit us on Twitter, at Moose and Runes. Uh, send us your mailbag questions, all of that. We love getting you guys involved. Uh, we got about two months until NFL season rolls around, and, and the mailbag essentially uh essentially is not needed because we, we we talk every single game for about 20 minutes a piece and we run out of time but it's mailbag season right now in the thick of the summer we need you guys to weigh in uh, but thank you as always for tuning in for matt i'm joe see you guys next week may god give you for every storm a rainbow for every tear a smile for every care a promise and a blessing in each trial i swear i've seen a lot of stuff in my life but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal. <laughs>